0: That's okay. I like the big print. <laughs> Please join me in our prayer of illumination as it's printed in the bulletin and in your screen. God of love and compassion, there are times when we doubt that situations will improve in the world and in our personal lives. Help us, Lord, to witness your power, compassion, and compassion faithfulness in your Word. Deepen our faith so that your light will grow within us. We thank you for your mercy and grace. Amen. Today's scripture lesson is from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 24 through 28. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God, this is the word of, hold on one second, this is the word of God for us, the people of God, thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Darren. Poor old Thomas, huh, got a bad rap. The little boy cried out over and over, Mom, where are you? He was walking back and forth in the front of the store. People with shopping carts full of milk, bread, fruit, all sorts of groceries rattled past the frantic boy as they waited for a line to check out in. The boy walked to the front of each aisle and peered down the long trek to see if his mom and her cart were present. He went to the first aisle He didn't see anything but potato chips and an old man. He went to aisle two. There he saw three college kids, but no mom. As he walked to the third aisle, he began to wonder what had happened to her. He had just come from aisle three. That's where the fruit snacks are. He was looking at them, and then she was just gone. He looked down the aisle. She wasn't there. The little boy got a pain in his stomach. It felt like it was full of bees, just trying to get out. He started to cry a little. Mom, where are you? He questioned as he looked down aisle four. She left him in the store all by himself. Had she decided he was too much trouble because he asked for too many fruit snacks? Had she left him at the store, heading home and forgetting all about him? He felt scared. He felt sad. He was a little bit mad. Just as he reached aisle five, he noticed a man in a blue vest putting cans onto a shelf. He walked silently up to the man who obviously worked at the store. I think my mom left me here, or or maybe she got abducted by aliens, or I don't know. Something happened. She's gone. The man looked down at the boy with one eyebrow cocked higher than the other. The little boy started to cry a little more. His mom was gone. He would never find her. Now, what makes you think that? Asked the man, as he knelt down in the middle of pallets of canned peas. The little boy didn't like those. Well, the boy answered, I was looking at fruit snacks, and then I turned around, and she was gone. She was just gone. I wanted to ask her if we could get some, and then she was just gone. Well, let's see if we can find her. We're not going to find her, the little boy said. I have looked all over the world. She is just plain gone. The little boy pointed back the way he came. She's not anywhere. The man in the blue vest took the little boy by the hand and headed toward aisle six. There were, in fact, 20 aisles in this grocery store. So what makes you think your mom left without you, he asked. Well, because I don't see her, he said. "'Has she ever accidentally left you anywhere before?' "'Nope. "'Has she ever been abducted by aliens before?' "'Not that I know of.' "'So why would you doubt her now?' "'I'm sure she's here. "'We just have to find her,' the man said. "'He walked up to a small stand in aisle 10, "'talked with a super tall man with a bushy mustache,' ...who had a blue vest on. But his vest had a big button with lots of stickers on it... ...and and he had a radio the size of a dictionary clipped to his belt. After a minute, an announcement came over the store. It echoed down the aisle. Lost little boy. Just as the announcement was blasting over the store... ...announcing to the entire world that his mother had abandoned him... ...left him for nothing but fruit snacks... His mother appeared with her full cart coming around the corner. His baby sister was bouncing up and down in the seat of the cart. Mom, the little boy cried. He sprinted down the aisle to meet his mother. Mom, I thought you left without me, the little boy said as he hugged his mom beside the cart. The man in the blue vest walked up then too. Honey, his mom said, I asked you to follow me to the bathroom so I could change your sister." Mom reached down and hugged him. I thought you were with me. When I realized you weren't, I went back to the fruit snack aisle and you were gone. Sorry, the boy said. See, the man in the blue vest said, there was no reason to doubt. Your mom didn't leave you. Here she is and all is well. Honey, I've never left you anywhere before, have I? Said his mom. No, no. And I've told you that aliens aren't going to abduct me, right? Well, yeah. Well, then I hope you learned something about me today, his mother said as she looked down at her now non-frantic son. His mom thanked the man in the blue vest as he began to walk away. The tall man with the mustache and the huge radio also got some thanks. Hey, Mom, the little boy said about those fruit snacks. I love the part of the story where the boy says, I looked all over the world, and I can't find her. She's gone. To the little boy, it probably felt like he had looked all over the world. Life can do funny things to you. I bet before that moment that the boy in our story didn't have a doubt in his mother's presence. I bet that he knew that she would always be there right where he needed her to be. But when he couldn't find her, when he couldn't see her, doubt crept in. Didn't just creep in. Doubt exploded inside his mind. Have you ever been there? Where doubt overtakes everything? Where you start to play the what-if game? You know what's funny about the what-if game? We never play the what-if game and what if it all works out well? Since Dominic's not here, I'll tell you, he gets really mad when I do that to him. He'll say, Mom, what if I never graduate? What if you do? Ugh. Mom, what if, it, what if it doesn't work out? But well, what if it does? Well, it's not going to, but what if it does? See, when he couldn't find his mom, what if she was abducted by aliens? But what if she wasn't? Doubt exploded within his mind and went to really strange places in the universe. She was gone, he thought. Doubt began to speak to the boy. Maybe she forgot you. Why would she forget him? Maybe you asked for fruit snacks too many times. Doubt said, maybe she just left you here. And finally, the voice of doubt grew to the size of the universe as it says, maybe your mom has been abducted by aliens and she'll never come back. The voice of doubt can be a strong one, a crafty one, an imaginative one at times. Have you had doubt? Have you doubted in your own abilities? Have you doubted in someone else's abilities? Have you doubted... God's ability. Even the most seasoned Christians, the most mature believers, you know, the people that that we think really get it, they have doubts too. In our scripture reading today, we read the familiar story of Thomas, poor old doubting Thomas. My mother-in-law, ever the voice for the underdog says, he didn't really doubt, he just needed more proof which I reminded her was almost the very definition of doubt. We've studied Thomas before, and we know that there's so much more to Thomas's story than just this moment, but how would you like to be known for the worst moment of your life? Oh, poor old doubting Thomas. We know that Thomas had faith, and he had been a faithful disciple and student of Jesus, but we don't say, oh, look, there's faithful Thomas. Nope, poor old, doubting Thomas. We know that Thomas had followed Jesus, even saying that he would follow Jesus into enemy territory, even to death. We know that Thomas had more faith than doubt, yet we hang our hats on this doubting moment of his. Why do we act as Christians as if our spiritual and our faith lives are going to be a linear journey, right? We're going to decide that we love Jesus, that we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We place our faith in God and the Holy Spirit. And then we're just going to slowly and steadily, like the little guy on the Price is Right that climbed the mountain, we're just going to slowly and steadily grow as Christians until we reach that mountaintop high. The guy falls off the mountain, right? Right? Why do we act like when we find God, we're just going to slowly and steadily grow in our belief and we're not going to have any setbacks and we're not going to have any bad days and we're not ever going to be doubters? That's not at all what our faith lives look like. And if someone tells you that's been their faith journey, you might want to ask them if that's the truth. If someone had to draw a picture of my faith journey, it would look like an angry kindergartner drew it with a brown crayon and drew it so angrily that he ripped the paper. That's what that would look like. How many of our faith journeys could be documented in the most beautiful ways? Well, it depends on what your idea of beauty is. Most of our faith growth is messy. With dips and valleys and setbacks and and we fall off the mountaintop sometimes, sometimes we feel like we have got this, right? I'm a Christian. I get this whole Christianity thing. Me and Jesus, were like this. He's got my back. And other times we feel like the little boy in the story. We may say, God, I've searched the whole world and you're nowhere to be found. Thomas is in one of those moments in our scriptures today. He has looked around at the world that surrounds him and he can't find Jesus. He is standing in the ruin of the crucifixion and he has decided that he is alone and no one can convince him otherwise. The other disciples tell him that they've seen Jesus and Jesus is alive and and poor Thomas is too overwhelmed and he can't put his faith in their words. He says, unless I see it with my own eyes, unless I touch him with my own hands, it can't be true. You can't rationalize with someone whose doubt voice is screaming in their minds that they missed it, that they'll never get it. They'll never see it. You can't talk them into seeing things your way. Sometimes they just need to see it for themselves. And that's where Thomas was. He just needed to see God for himself. He just needed to touch Jesus for himself. He just needed to feel God's presence. Have you been there? I've been there I've prayed prayers that say I just need to see some Jesus today God I'm crying out like the lost little boy in the store who is sure I've searched the world and I haven't found you yet does that make me a bad Christian? does that make me a bad pastor? does having doubt make us bad believers? is God mad at us? When we make mistakes, when we give in to the voice of doubt that creeps around, maybe screams within our minds, I think so. I don't think it makes me a bad Christian, I think it makes me a human being. Did this moment of doubt, even though we've named him for it, did this moment of doubt make Thomas less of a disciple? No. It just makes him a hurt human. Who's viewing the world through the lens of the hurt of the crucifixion? He's lost his very best friend, his teacher, his Jesus. He just wants to see him for himself. See, this moment, it makes Thomas human because life is hard. The crucifixion of Jesus is hard, death is hard, sickness is hard, hurt is hard, grief is hard. Thomas saw things, heard things that he could not process. Is it any wonder he was doubting? I don't think so. Give the poor guy a break. He'd been through it, he was trying to find his way. How do you think God interprets Thomas's doubt? What is God's response to Thomas when he says, I need to see it for myself? Does God grow angry? Could have done the whole burning bush thing again. No, God just shows up. Jesus says, "See, here I am. You need to touch, then touch. You need to feel, then feel. You're not alone. I'm with you, and you are with me." And here's the key thing that I want you to take away from Thomas's story. What does Thomas do with that entire experience that renamed him Doubting Thomas? We've given him that identity, Doubting Thomas. Thomas was the doubter. What does he do with that? That experience of doubting and then experiencing the risen Christ. Does he sit back and beat himself up for having made mistakes, for having doubts, for not believing them when they said that Jesus was alive? Does he say, oh, I'm so stupid. I'm a terrible disciple. Can't possibly go on to teach people about Jesus when I I didn't believe it. I knew the story. Why didn't I believe it when they said that he had done just what he said? How can I teach people about Jesus if I didn't even learn? Who would listen to me? Is that what he says to Jesus when Jesus says, I'm here, have faith. He cries out, my Lord, my God. He doesn't say, oh God, you must be so angry with me. Jesus, you must be so hurt that I lost faith and I doubted your resurrection. How can you ever forgive me? No, he just cries out in praise, my Lord and my God, you came when I needed you. You showed me, you let me feel. Thomas' faith is renewed, but more than renewed, his faith is strengthened, and he himself is transformed into a stronger believer because he doubted. His doubt ultimately makes him a better teacher, a better disciple, because he can stand before people and say, I doubted once. Does that make me a bad Christian? Does that make me a bad disciple? No. It makes me human. Doubt and skepticism is a protective response. If we believed everything we heard and everything we saw, it could be dangerous for us. The key to doubt is to just not stay stuck in it. Thomas could have dug in his heels and said, I'll never amount to anything. I'm nothing but a big mistake. You shouldn't have called me to be a disciple. No one's going to listen to me. I didn't listen when you taught me, and so now this is it. I'm doubting Thomas, and that's all I'll ever be. But he didn't. When he doubted, he didn't hide his doubt. He shared his doubt with the other disciples. And even more than sharing his doubt with them, he asked God for what he needed. He said, I need to see you. I need to touch you. And God responded. The better part of Thomas's story is what he did after his doubt. I wish we studied the rest of Thomas's life. I wish we put more emphasis on what he did other than his doubting moment. Thomas went on to be a powerful apostle. He went on to be a powerful teacher. He took the gospel farther than any other disciple. In the year 52 AD, so 52 years after Jesus died, Thomas traveled by ship to India, which is a big deal. It's a far journey. He traveled through well established trade routes. He preached the gospel and was a leader in the early church. He died a faithful servant and a teacher of the ways of Jesus Christ, strengthened through many seasons of doubt and faith. We all have seasons of doubt. All of us. Life has handed all of us something that we felt there was no God in it, and God could not possibly make good come of it, and we could search the whole world over, and we were never going to feel better. We've all had doubt. When we do, though, we should handle it just as Thomas did, telling God what we need and recognizing God's presence in our lives. God can and will use us in all seasons, the seasons of life where we think we've got this Christianity thing nailed and the seasons in life where we need to touch where the nails were. We just need to surrender and let God show up and all God's people said, amen. I'd like to invite the band back up. We sang this song